From UNH Cooperative Extension, this is Relative to New Hampshire. Step into the classroom and listen in while a group of UNH students explore the underlying aspects of current issues under consideration at New Hampshire's State House. We pick apart those issues and we connect with experts. I'll share with you insights from our scientific community that enhance our understanding of the biological world right here in New Hampshire, home of the greatest democracy in the world. I'm your moderator, Dr. Anna-Kate Wallingford, and I am diving into the archives to share with you the work of last year's Class of Science Liaisons, our first Class of Science Liaisons, actually, from the spring of 2020. While this project remains a rather experimental project, it was really unclear what we were up to last year, all I had planned was to send my two brave volunteers up to Concord to sit in on some public hearings, take some notes, and report back what they learned. At best, make some connections between members of the UNH community and members of the legislature. I wasn't really sure what's going to happen, but the pandemic sure changed our plans and we were relegated to Zoom meetings only. This actually ended up being great for us as it was a little easier to schedule and record interviews with the folks that we wanted to talk to. And of course, I was blown away about how bright and resilient Patrick and Ryan were through this. UNH students tend to blow me away in this area. I kind of just said, make a podcast episode. Um, and they did. <laughs> and I'll be playing their final projects pretty much in their entirety, uh, including this interview that Patrick Kaplan conducted with Dr. John Aber last year. And well, actually, Patrick does a way better job of explaining this project, so I'll let him take it from here. Hello, my name is Patrick Kaplan, and I'm a newly graduated biologist from the University of New Hampshire. Throughout the last semester, Dr. Anna Wallingford, Brian Spellman, and I have been working on a project that analyzes and dissects bills in the state legislature that pertain to the environment in agriculture. In this project, the three of us have selected specific bills to investigate any issues that could arise from passing of these. After considering each and every bill, we would talk about the problems that could affect the agriculture, the environment, and the people that the bill was intended for. The idea of the project was to gain a better understanding of proposed bills and use New Hampshire experts to educate us on these topics. I chose House Bill 1704, which would affect the rules of composting in New Hampshire. I reached out to Dr. John Aber, a professor in the Colleges of Life Sciences and Agriculture at UNH to discuss this compost. Dr. Aber performs most of his research in sustainable ecosystem management. His active project is focusing on nutrient and energy balances in UNH's first in the nation organic dairy farm research farm, where they are trying to reduce the dependence on external sources of energy, reduce the farm's carbon footprint, and use static aerobic composting techniques to generate heat for use on the farm. The bill in itself is red Compost rulemaking. The commissioner shall initiate rulemaking pursuant to RSA 149M7 by September 30th, 2020, relative to requirements and best practices for facilities that compost organics, including vegetable matter, meat byproducts, dairy products, and dairy product derivatives. I began my research on this topic, as any person does in today's age, Google. I googled what compost was and the benefits and the cost of composting industrially. This gave me a lot of information and sent me a lot of different directions. I'd like to start about talking about what exactly is compost. By definition, compost is decayed organic material used as a plant fertilizer. Some quick information from the Environmental Protection Agency about compost. Food scraps and yard waste make up more than 28% of what we throw away and can be composted. 
Composting eliminates the required space in landfills and reduces methane released. Composting requires three main components, browns, which are dead leaves, branches, and twigs, greens, which are grass clippings, vegetable waste, and food scraps, and water. The benefits of composting include it enriches the soil, helping retain moisture, reduces the need for chemical fertilizers, encourages the production of beneficial bacteria and fungi, and reduces methane emissions. So to me personally, and to the group, compost sounds like an amazing tool to help our gardens and soil as we eliminate our constantly shrinking landfill capacity. I decided to read a paper to educate myself a little bit more on compost. This paper was by M.D. Bertoldi and Giovanni Bellini and was about the biology of composting. In this paper, I learned that simple carbon compounds like soluble sugars and organic acids are easily metabolized. The microorganisms carry out their biological processes and this will create an extreme increase in temperature. They will use oxygen in their biological processes to help the breakdown of the organic materials. Aeration of the compost pile is vital to the success and rate of the microorganisms decomposing properties. Composting is used to speed up the natural decay of organic material by providing ideal conditions for detritus eating organisms, according to the USDA. Composting occurs in three separate phases. The first is the mesophilic phase, which is dominated by mesophilic bacteria. And the second is a thermophilic phase, which is composed of thermophilic bacteria. And the third and final phase is the cooling and maturation phase. The mesophilic bacteria multiply quickly due to the excessive compounds in the pile. They carry out biological processes, which in return creates higher temperatures. As the temperatures rise, thermophilic bacteria will now dominate the pile. These higher temperatures accelerate the breakdown of proteins, fats, and complex carbohydrates like cellulose and hemicellulose, which are the major structural molecules in plants. The supply of these high energy compounds becomes exhausted, and the compost temperature gradually decreases in mesophilic microorganisms once again take over for the final phase of curing. Now I'd like to transition to my talk with Dr. John Aber to talk some more about composting. Yeah, sure. So uh, Professor Elon H. been there a long time. <clears throat> for the last 10 years, been doing research funded by USDA at the Organic Dairy Research Farm here on campus. And a big part of that project was a novel approach to composting. It's called uh, aerated static pile composting. So uh, are you okay, familiar with that? Yep. Or? Aerated static pile composting or ASP composting is when organic waste is mixed together in one large pile instead of rows. To aerate the pile, layers of loosely piled bulking agents, wood chips, and shredded newspaper are added so that air can pass from the bottom to the top of the pile. The piles can also be placed over a network of pipes that deliver air into or draw air out of the pipe. Air blowers might be activated by a timer or temperature sensors. This allows the pile to get a sufficient amount of oxygen. So yeah, and that's been my involvement with it. Um, you know, before the last 10 years, I was doing research on forests. So uh, kind of a new thing to come to this, but this composting technique, uh, I think has a lot of promise because you know, it's less labor demanding, uses less space, produces usable heat. Yeah, I think there's a, a good chance it could be uh, used in conjunction with greenhouse production and such to uh, kind of close the agricultural loop. Uh, so a little bit, so this bill, word for word, it talks about, so the bill itself says, the bill requires the Department for Environmental Services to make certain rules regarding compost. And then it talks about uh, how another house, it goes like side to side with another house bill 
that talks about that the study would commit um, like research on composting in similar ways they've been working with recycling and solid waste. Huh. And one of the things our team was discussing is that we're very surprised that like this hasn't been talked about before because I feel like there's tremendous upside to composting. And we were mm -hmm. thinking, we were like, hypothesizing everything like, do you know any like downfalls or maybe consequences, consequences or effects that come with composting that aren't ideal? Hmm. Um, I really can't think of any. Um, so we've had, one, this doesn't apply to the area of static pile composting, which usually happens inside a structure of some kind. It can be a simple structure, fairly inexpensive. Um, but I know the, the composting operations uh, outside the UNH has done, have had some trouble with seagulls and that sort of thing. And you'll probably hear people talk about rats and odors and stuff like that. But that's, you know, those are not well managed yeah. uh, kinds of things. And professional composters, of which there are you know, several in New England, I think have a good record. Okay. So no, I don't know of any serious environmental downsides. So I've been reading this book, um, it's called Industrial Composting Environmental Engineering and Facilities Management. One of the mm -hmm. things they talked about mostly with like large commercial scale composting was that the smell is terrible. <laughs> I don't know if that comes with the anaerobic composting or if that's... Hopefully that book is all about how not to let that happen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there uh, is a journal called Biocycle, which is for the composting industry. And one of the things that they deal with a lot is odor prevention. It would be the result of non-aerobic, of, of the pile going anaerobic. So one reason, one way you keep uh, compost piles from going anaerobic, of course, is you mix them. Uh, and that takes a lot of effort. So one of the things about this aerated static pile approach is you don't have to do any mixing, but you know you put the material down over a series of pipes. Pipe, pipes are con um, connected to a fan. You turn on the fan, and the fan draws the air down through the pile. And so without turning, and you know you manage the time amount of time the fan is on, uh, the pile stays aerobic. And so you don't get any of the really you know the really horrible odors. We did in that facility get some ammonia because you're, you are generating a lot of ammonia. Um, we also, I can send you, I'm just doing a write-up on this stuff and it's written for a general audience. So I'll send this stuff to you and see what you think of it. I'd be much appreciated. Yeah, it's great. But you use a very simple biofilter, just wood chips. Okay. Uh, and that absorbs uh, both the odor and a lot of the ammonia. So um, we have done that. And with the biofilter, you don't get any ammonia orders and you know for the size of the facility we have even without the biofilter the ammonia was a pretty local thing but i suppose if you're doing this on a municipal or you know industrial scale maybe that's a different situation but i think keeping it aerated is the key okay so i was doing a little more research on the uh, epa website um and i noticed that the food waste in yard scraps are roughly about 25 percent of municipal solid waste and obviously there's a little room there because some stuff isn't compostable. Why do you think that like oils and fats, dairies, you know, meats are so complicated to, to compost? Uh, well, I know there's concerned about that when you, with animals and such. Um, so like back, backyard composting, you don't want to put any meats or anything in your compost pile because it'll attract raccoons or whatever's around. Yeah, they're just more complicated materials. They will decay. They probably produce more uh, complex products as well. And if there's any anaerobics 
to it, then you'd be likely to get some odors. So is the bill just directing DES to do this, or is there anything in the bill about what it should be doing or, you know? The bill itself is very simplistic. It's just talking about how, I think it's like a preliminary bill. I think they're trying to be like proactive rather than like a reactive type thing. So they're yeah. basically just talking about they want to eventually make rules. And I think they were talking about in October, this was going to get discussed a little bit more. Okay. But I think that this is kind of like a side project on the side of uh, the solid and solid in uh, recycling and waste, you know, yeah. department and committee. Yeah. Um, so I think it, I think they're trying to make it more prevalent in the state of New Hampshire. Yeah. It was the bill itself was like four sentences. So okay. it was, it was yeah. yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. Would are there any other concerns like with composting? I know like with people around living around compost, you have to be nervous about you know, pathogens from insects or any other leachate that goes into their garden or, you know, their water sources, any kind of stuff like that they would be concerned about? Um, I would think if any kind of waste management process, you've got those concerns. If something is, uh, you know, an area is too concentrated or it's badly managed, you know, uh, the same kind of things that happen around landfills that are poorly managed could happen around compost systems that are poorly managed. Um, so, I don't see that it's there's anything. I mean, it's more benign in terms that you don't have a lot of toxins that you get around landfills and things, you know. Uh, but uh, I know the potential is there for um, some significant savings. So I was at a meeting of the Durham Town Solid Waste Committee, and they were estimating maybe a quarter of their solid waste mass that they pay for is compostable. So they're thinking they might be able to reduce the cost of landfill and garbage disposal if they can uh, compost. In Europe, it's just standard practice. Yeah. In almost every city in town, there'll be another bin that is collected separately that's for compost. So, it, you know, there's a lot of technical expertise that's built up there that could be tapped into making sure it happens properly. Yeah, no, that, that, is, that is very interesting. I was surprised. I've been reading up on a lot of other places and they're composting techniques and it just it to me it seems like there's so much upside and I was very surprised as I started to dig deeper and deeper into this is why more people don't do it you know people it, don't want to separate glass plastic and paper so to separate right. yucky stuff so with compost like let's say I, I know a little bit about it when it comes in its static uh, area to static and everything after like six months or so is it good to just you know, go right in my garden, or is there like a process to that, or? So actually, commercial composters will usually only hold material for three to four weeks, and that's all part of this aerated static process where you achieve temperatures of 130 to 150 degrees, so the decomposition goes ahead really quickly. Commercial places, after, say, four weeks, will unload the material, and they will let it usually cure for a while. So they might hold it separately at lower temperatures for a certain amount of time if they're going to sell it, and that's, I know, is a whole separate thing about whether or not it's legal to sell it, uh, and it wasn't legal to sell it in New Hampshire until recently, you know, then you may want to prepare it in some way that's attractive to consumers and such. So with compost, yeah, once it's done, you just put it on the soil. As long as there's nothing that's gone into the compost that's toxic. Okay. You know, so it's yeah. sort of like a facility would have to somewhat monitor what's coming in to make sure that it is acceptable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you so think feasible like moving forward for like you know the city of Durham or the town of New or the state of New Hampshire to to do like a statewide program and would like it be beneficial to reducing landfill 
I think it'd be great. Um, there is a commercial. Well, so this is interesting. I had a graduate student named Matt Smith, who with a bunch of other students, this is what I know about this, five or six years ago, went to the legislature and got Martha Fuller Clark to maybe create the language that you're seeing coming back now to bring New Hampshire's laws about composting in line with surrounding states. So as I understand it, up to that point, if you had any compost that had any food in it, you, you couldn't use it, no matter what you did with it. The idea of the law was that if you, know, you, you manage it properly, you get the high temperature that you need for the right amount of time, then you can compost food. One of the points they made was that there was a company, and maybe you can contact these folks, called Mr. Fox. It's a composting company that's it's in Kittery or York or, or Elliott or something. It's just across the line. It's a commercial composting company. Mr. Fox, I feel his name, whoever it is, is actually from New Hampshire, I think, and wanted to be in New Hampshire, but the laws were so restrictive that he had to do this in Maine. So one of the points the students were making is that, you know, you're limiting enterprise here. You're, you know, kicking businesses out of the state because somebody else is. Anyway, so that was part of their proposal, which I guess, you know, in New Hampshire, that helps. What do you think the, the major concerns for the state legislative was when it came to compost and were they nervous, you know, for toxicity reasons or, you know, spread of, you know, compounds? I think it was just an old law <clears throat> that came out of old ideas and it hadn't just received any significant attention. And once these students brought it to the attention of the legislature, they said, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. But then as I understand it, that the change is just what you're reading there was, yes, we need to update. We need, this is what we should do, but we need to have DES set standards. So maybe now that's what they're getting back to and to try to set these standards. In doing a facility that, you know, does compost and whatnot, is it an expensive adventure? Like, would that cost a lot to do? I guess, Chris, it'll cost something. You have to weigh that against the cost of landfill. So as landfills become less prevalent and, and uh, more expensive, you know, you would, you'd weigh the cost of composting against the cost of sending that material to a landfill. So, you know, that depends so much. And I know UNH is uh, renegotiating their collection uh, with waste management and prices are changing rapidly because recycling is not nearly as profitable as it used to be. And so and all that's in change. Um, I guess there's no reason to think that it would be cost prohibitive and it would, you know, probably make sense to have it as part of a solid waste management program as one option. I actually made a presentation on this at a science talk uh, down in Nashua a couple months ago and someone there, it's a town administrator there from, I think it was Nashua. And when I said you might divert a quarter of your material from landfill uh, through composting, he seemed to think that was a neat idea. That, that might be cost effective. So. Yeah, I, I could see how that could be very beneficial for you know everyone. Yeah. That talk with Dr. Aber was purely about industrial composting and the techniques and requirements for that. Now I will briefly talk about small-scale composting, the type you would do in your own backyard. So to start, you want to begin with a well-drained site that is level in near your garden. There are a few different ways you can do composting. To start, you want to build a pile using alternative layers of high carbon and high nitrogen material, or mix the two together and then heap it into a pile. 
If you alternate the layers, make sure each layer is two to four inches thick. If you are low on high nitrogen material, you can add a small amount of commercial fertilizer containing nitrogen. Apply at the rate one half cup of fertilizer for each 10 inch layer of material. Adding a few shovels of soil will also get the pile off to a good start. Soil adds commonly found decomposing microorganisms. Next, you want to add water periodically. The pile should be moist but not saturated. If conditions are too wet, anaerobic microorganisms, those that can live without oxygen, will continue the process. These are not as effective or as desirable as the aerobic organisms. This is where the bad odors will occur. Then you want to punch holes in the sides of the pile for aeration. The pile will heat up and then begin to cool. Start turning when the pile's internal temperature peaks at about 130 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. You can track this with a compost thermometer or reach into the pile to determine if it's uncomfortably hot to the touch. During the composting season, check your bin regularly to assure optimum moisture and aeration are present in the material being composted. Move the materials from the center to the outside and vice versa. Turn every day or two and you should get compost in less than four weeks. Turning every other week will make compost in one or three months. Finished compost will smell sweet and be cool and pumpy to the touch. All of this information can be found on the EPA or USDA website. Thank you for listening and I hope you learned a little bit more about compost. After this talk about different types of composting, from industrial to small scale, we can see the direct benefits from composting. Composting is a great tool with many applications, but requires a decent amount of effort as well as monitoring. Composting at a municipal scale would need a lot of planning, regulations, and operational staff. Monitoring what is going in is vital for not only the success of the composting, but the safety of the final product. The passing of House Bill 1704 would enact rules and requirements for large facilities who would like to compost in the state of New Hampshire. These guidelines would ultimately determine the best practices for a facility to compost safely and produce a product that could benefit New Hampshire in many ways. I could really listen to Dr. Aber talk about compost all day. But back to that bill that Patrick was following in 2020, HB 1704, relative to compost. This bill was passed and adopted by the House, but laid on the table with no committee assignment in the Senate. Um, obviously, other things took precedent over compost at that moment in history. That kind of makes sense. However, if this issue is important to you and you would like to see our compost regulations updated, please reach out to your local representatives and let them know how you feel. Thanks for listening. Relative to New Hampshire is a production of UNH Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer. All music is used by permission or Creative Commons licensing. UNH Cooperative Extension is a nonpartisan organization. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial enterprises in this podcast does not equate endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, New Hampshire counties, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. This podcast in particular was made possible by the UNH Extension Internship Program. If you're interested in supporting great work like this for the future, learn more at extension.unh.edu slash internships.